day That's the prayer that a country boy prays Thank God he made me this way Honey, and fishing and loving every day Welcome to ATR Distinguished Podcast, this side of the red. I'm wow. sitting beside, I'm pretty good, huh? You like that one? Yeah. yeah. We've got Triple Y, Chewy, Dwayne, Galawaychuk. How are we doing, my friend? Excellent. It's uh, nice weather outside. It's supposed to get colder, but it's been nice. Uh, back in the rink, back into a little bit of a routine, uh, back to making fun of people at work and just being around the people that are enjoyed doing the same thing you do. I'm loving every second of it, especially making fun of people around the office. However, sometimes when we're making fun of people, they can't understand the initial burn because we're wearing masks. So I'm finding myself doing a lot of repeating. They think I'm playing the repeater with them. I'm not. They just don't understand me the first three times I say it. But good to be back. Lots of ice times. Lots of, uh, lots of clients back in the building. It's buzzing. Um, you know can't get any better than this after such a long you know wait for this to start up again so beyond happy that we're back uh let's get to business man there's a little bit to talk about in in hockey these days uh we got evan herman coming up in this podcast uh he talks a little bit about the whl restart um they're doing 24 games i believe no playoffs it's just a 24 game season um what have you heard about this and what do you think well, first of all, I think it's, it's, it just shows the dedication that, one, uh, the teams have to try and make this work for the players to be able to showcase or this, the development of their, of their teams, of their players. And secondly, the, the commitment of the players to be able to quarantine, you know, a week out before they go into the bubble and then just be in the bubble just to play a game they love. The dedication there is, uh, for me, is like second to none. Um, I think it's going to be a really unique situation for, you know, the two Manitoba teams going into Regina. Um, I think there's going to be some heated rivalries. I'm sure that we're going to come out of it. But the bottom line is it's just great that these kids are able to play back uh, the game they love and be on the ice again and compete. Yeah, I'm excited for everybody. You know, just like you said, I think some of these rivalries are going to heat up pretty quick. Uh, even if there's no playoffs, I mean, guys have been chomping at the bit to get back. And, and, you know, they're going to be they're going to find their game pretty quickly here. And let's let's be honest, you know, those heated rivalries don't end just because there's a lockdown. I think those are going to definitely pick up right where they left off. Uh, but again, excited for everybody. You know, you can only do so many Zoom meetings with your team. And, I, you know, I'm really happy that that WHL has taken this kind of chance and, and, and trying at least to save something for these guys, because. You know, these guys did work all summer to get ready for the season. That really never happened. So beyond anything, I'm happy that they're getting a, a chance to play a season, even if it is 24 games. No, I agree with you 100%. We both know what it's like being junior hockey players. And I both know, like knowing you, I know that we would have went stir crazy at this. And uh, I think it's just overall, it's just great to see the kids back on the ice. So over the weekend, too, the NHL uh, tried some, you know, some cool things. They uh, went to Lake Tahoe uh, to play a couple games there. Don't know if you saw any of it. Um, first off, if you have, what did you think of the venue? What did you think of everything? And do you think it's something in the future for the NHL? Well, I think, it, you know, I've never been to Lake Tahoe, but I know some people that live around that area. It's a beautiful area to be able to plop a rink in there and, and have an NHL game. I think it was great. 
Um, you know, I think everything was built around having people around there watching, having people come there. But it was really cool from a you know a fan standpoint. You could pull up your boat there in the water and watch the watch the game. Uh, the mountains in the background, all that, the scenery was unbelievable. But I think that uh, you know the NHL is trying to promote the game in different venues. Mm -hmm. I just think they got to really make sure on the player standpoint that they're safe, that it's the right situation. And I'm sure they do this. I'm sure they spend a lot of money, a lot of time on it. But I just think that they got to make sure that it doesn't wear thin. You know, they don't do too many of them because I think sooner or later, it'll wear off a little bit in my mind. But they're mm -hmm. still pretty unique situations. Lake Tahoe was pretty special. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it was, I thought it was a really cool idea, you know, uh, especially this year out of every year to do something, you know, to give back to the fans a little bit. Um, I don't understand though why the NHL can't figure out that daytime games might not work. Um, you know, I mean, look at back a couple of years ago when the Jets, you know, hosted the Oilers in the outdoor classic. Um, I mean, they had to delay that game for two and a half hours due to glare on the ice, right? So I'd like to see them if they are going to do these games, have that idea of maybe starting it like the second game in Lake Tahoe. I believe it was like the five o'clock start right around sunset. So you're kind of getting the first period with a little bit of daylight and then the rest of the game, you know, under the lights. I think that works better for the ice conditions, for safety, you know, for all the players out there. Uh, but like you, I mean, it doesn't get any more picturesque than Lake Tahoe, you know, the water, the mountains, the beautiful sky, the sunset, you know, sounded like, like I'm getting ready for Valentine's Day over here. But um, I'd like to see, you know, moving forward, I'd like to see the NHL do one game a year without fans, uh, somewhere crazy, you know, like maybe on a Navy ship or, you know, different places around the globe. You know, they've been trying to grow the game globally. And I don't, I don't know if it grows the game that much going to play two exhibition games in Finland or wherever they go. What I'd like to see is them, you know, maybe take the game and do one game somewhere like, you know, the great wall of China or, you know, something crazy yep. like that. I think, you know, leave the fans out of it, pick a really picturesque place to do it. And I mean, you'd get the whole world watching if you did it in some places that you would never think, you know, imagine a game in front of the pyramids, yeah. you know, like something crazy like that. I think the NHL could be onto something here, but you know, who knows going forward, I know that um, the money they take in at the gate for those uh, games is pretty uh, important yeah, too. So for sure. So last thing here too, let's get to the NHL Northern division. We've been away a little bit. We haven't talked uh, about them in a while. This division is as tight as they come uh, four points separating first from second. And then you got eight points separating second from the last playoff spot. Um, what is your take on this division and you know who do you like right now early on in the season well you know I think right now you know the first part of the season I think Montreal and Toronto kind of established themselves as, as the teams to beat but it's like any other hockey season I think some of these teams that had some veteran players on it took them a while to kind of get clicking and now you know you see Ottawa Ottawa was you know the team that kind of went through some teams and were you know not an easy game but they had you know they had their way with Ottawa now Ottawa starting to compete and surprise some teams they beat you know they beat Toronto they beat Winnipeg they went in and beat uh, Montreal so 
I think a lot of those teams now are, you know, kind of thinking, okay, it doesn't matter who we play. I think anybody can, you know, it's going to be a race to the end to make the playoffs. And then I think in the playoffs, it's going to be a race to see who is this can sustain and play the best team game. Um, every team has a different style. You know, Edmonton's got the two, uh, you know, power horses there that score goals for them. You know, Winnipeg's starting to come in together now with, uh, you know, uh, Dubois back in the lineup. But I really still think that if Toronto can find some goaltending, they've got the depth, they've got some firepower, they can win games on any given night. Yeah, definitely. The, uh, you know, from game to game, just like you said, you know, Ottawa at the start of the season was, I don't want to say teams are overlooking Ottawa, but, you know, it, it was looking a little bit like that at the start of the season. You can't overlook anybody in this division. I mean, Ottawa, yeah, they're young, but they got a lot of, really highly skilled young players that are hungry and want to show what they can do. So there's never, you know, there's never an off night in this division. And I think exactly like you, it's going to come down to the last couple of games and, and you know, how many teams uh, injuries as well. Right. And goaltending like Toronto right now, isn't getting the greatest goaltending. Um, you need all that to kind of come together at the right time. And, and one thing, you know, we're seeing right now, um, with Montreal, you can't go on super long losing streaks, right? So if, if the team that basically doesn't go on these losing streaks is going to make the playoffs, because I think that's going to, you know, Montreal might be in a little trouble come right at the end with what they've been doing in this middle part. Um, you know, you never want to see the four to five game losing streaks because that's going to really hinder your chances of making the playoffs. On that note with Montreal, we woke up this morning, we found out Claude Julian and Kirk Muller were fired, um, you know, as the head coach and assistant coach of Montreal. Were you surprised? And who do you think might be the next head coach in Montreal? Well, you know what, like, you'll hear the old saying, coaches are hired to be fired. But I think it really shows that the ownership and the, uh, of the Montreal Canadiens uh, have spent some money. They brought in some key guys. They've opened up the wallet a little bit there to bring in some big free agents and sign some guys that they've traded for that were un, un, you know, un, unrestricted free agents. And I really think that they, you know, maybe thought they weren't headed in the right direction. Uh, you know, they've lost four in a row now. They've lost against Ottawa. They've blown some leads late in games. All those things, one, general managers don't like and especially owners don't like. And I think that, uh, you know, it was just uh, the way that the mindset the Canadians have turned it, that they want to win and they want to win now. Um, the front runner for me, I think, to go in there, uh, you know, I, I, I would say Gerard Gallant would be the front runner for me. Um, but I also think, you know, maybe Bruce Brudrow, but he's a little bit more, uh, you know, he gets a lot out of guys, but he hasn't been, you know, for me, hasn't been great with the young guys where Gerard Gallant, you know, did it built kind of a masterpiece there in, in Las Vegas there the first year. So he would be my front runner. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with uh, Gerard Glantz. I think he does a real good job with, you know, older players and younger players, like you said, uh, in Vegas, especially. Um, Boudreaux, I don't know, you know, he seems to do good for one to two years when he does come into a system, uh, but he does seem to wear out his welcome, you know, usually year three. Uh, you know, he's probably a top, you know, front runner as well for the position. But just like you, I think I'd go with Gerard Gallant. You know, uh, I think Montreal's ready to win this season. And you got a top end, the best in the business, Carey Price. You've had him for years. The time's running out. 
Okay. And, and we say that all the time, you know, you, you hear it all the time in Winnipeg with Blake Wheeler, you know, how, you know, he's looking a little slower. He's looking a little slower. I think he's looking fine personally, but um, you know, Carey Price doesn't have 10 years left in his, in his longevity of his career. Right. So he needs to win now and they got to put together, you know, they seem to have find, they found some nice pieces here with Toffoli. I think their time is now. So you got to get the right guy in for the head coach job as quick as possible. I don't think you want to waste two to three years on developing that stuff. No, I agree with you hundred percent. So Chu, what should we do? Should we get to the, uh, the Evan Herman interview? Yeah, looking forward to it. So uh, why don't we drop the puck? On today's podcast, we have a graduate of the Rink Hockey Academy. This guy played in the inaugural season uh, for RHA. He is now currently playing in the WHL with the Prince Albert Raiders. He's a full-on beauty. Welcome to the podcast, Evan Herman. How are we doing, Evan? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me. So, Ev, uh, tough season, obviously, for you guys uh, with COVID and everything being locked down. Uh, why don't you take us through kind of what you're up to right now? I know you're getting ready for your season to start up. Um, what are you up to right now? Yeah, I know it's been a, been a lot of ups and downs this season so far. Um, I'm actually in quarantine right now. We just we started our quarantine last Saturday and uh, just getting ready to head out to Regina here Saturday and get things started in the hub. What's, uh, what's been the hardest part of quarantine besides just being stuck in the house? What's been the hardest part and how have you overcome some of that? Uh, I, I think uh, as a hockey-based part, it's uh, trying to stay in shape. It's, it's, it's tough to, uh, to stay in shape in your room. Um, and other than that, I, I'm an outdoorsy type of guy and I don't think I've ever spent this much time inside. So it, uh, it's definitely been wearing on me. <laughs> So we'll get to the outdoor stuff in a little bit here, Ev. Um, but during this lockdown, you know, when you were able and you weren't quarantined and you were outside, uh, maybe take us through some things that you were doing to, you know, keep your hockey skills where they're at. Yeah, no, uh, PA has been real good. They've been uh, sending us lots of stuff to do at home. And um, the outdoor rink's actually been a huge part of it. But, uh, instead of just going out and having fun, it's been a lot more... Uh, go out there, do a job and get better. Like, uh, can't come down to the rink and train like I do it during the summers, but it's uh, training as hard as I can on the outdoor rink and just trying to get better once I'm out there and just enjoying it too. So you said you're uh, heading to the bubble uh, this upcoming week. Um, have they given you any word on, on where you guys are going to be staying? Are you guys going to be staying in a hotel or are you guys going to be staying somewhere else? And have they given you any idea of any entertainment options in this bubble yeah they've been trying to give us as much information as they know um it, by the sounds of things we're going to be staying in the university dorms the Regina dorms um we'll have four roommates and as far as entertainment um they're doing their best to supply us with things to do and keep us busy but as of right now everything's kind of up in the air and just kind of playing it by year are you uh are you much of a gamer no no actually my first little bit of gaming started at uh my first billet house with the jarvises me and uh me and seth we uh got into it with guitar hero and took off there so that was pretty fun 
I'm sure you would. Uh, I'm sure you would like a game like Buck Hunter, though. Oh yeah, I see all the commercials. It's quite interesting, that's for sure. So Ev, let's kind of go back a little bit. You know, I met you years ago uh, when you were first coming in for one on ones, and then you joined RHA. Um, you moved away from home at a super young age. You know, most guys move away at 16, 17. Uh, when they go to play junior, you had to move away at, I believe, 14, 15. Um, never easy moving away from home. Uh, what were some things that helped you through that transition? Yeah, it was tough. I was, I was really young. I moved away my first Bantam year. And, uh, yeah, it was tough. Um, my family was very helpful. My mom and my sister moved with me. Um, we moved down to Oakville, just outside of Portage, and I played for Central Plains. It was nice my first kind of year away from home to have my mom there help me out and kind of get into the tough times. And my sister, too, she was good. We hung out quite a bit and got pretty close there. But uh, the things that helped me out most would probably be the camaraderie of the team. Um, the boys were, they became more brothers than anything. And I think that was one of the biggest parts. So you talked about uh, living with uh, Seth Jarvis uh, in the Jarvis household. Um, Caden Jarvis is also a host on here. Sometimes he likes to kind of jump on from time to time. Uh, any funny stories hanging out with the Jarvis brothers? Yeah, you know what? It was it was a, an entertaining household. I can't say enough good about them or any other of my billets, the Lonies or now the Gunvilles in PA. I can't say good enough about any of them. They've all been great. But yeah, there's a few things that in the Jarvis household that I just can't forget. And there's things like playing basketball in the backyard and showing Caden how to shoot some hoops. And <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was just, uh, I, yeah, fun, like 24 seven. It was awesome. Um, quick question. You kind of touched on it a little bit. Who's the better basketball player out of the Jarvis brothers? And second part of that, who's the better gamer? Oh, those are, those are good questions. You know, I played ba more basketball with Seth, so I'm gonna have to give that one to Seth. He, uh, he knows how he knows how the way around the court, that's for sure. <laughs> and video games, I don't know, Seth. Seth again, him on the guitar on Guitar Hero, he can really shred. So <laughs> that's awesome. So I think uh, I think Caden's going to an zero and two here. <laughs> well, I'll stick up for Caden. In all fairness to Caden, uh, during the COVID lockdown. Um, put a little bit of pressure on him and he got his own console. So he's now rocking a PS4. So I think he's getting better at the gaming. I'm not hundred percent. I heard he's, he's half decent at call of duty. Um, and then as basketball, he claims that he's like the next Larry Bird. So um, I'm interested. I, I want to see, I'd like to see a Seth versus Cade in one-on-one uh, basketball game if we could ever set that up that might be fun to watch uh, that'd be something i'd pay for that'd be real fun <laughs> yeah okay so um talking about rha you played with them for you know for three years there uh what are some things that you found really helped you uh being in the rha system when you made that next step to the whl i think the development side of things um the skills and uh Actually, anything skills or nutrition based with the guys upstairs. But I think that's what really helped me get to the next level. It's uh, the practice to play ratio was much higher. And I was able to work on the things that I needed to get better on to be able to make the step to the next level that much easier. And the things you guys taught me were just 
just made sense and clicked so easily. So I think that's what one of the biggest factors that helped me out. You're in the WHL now. You know, your first season, when you talk to players, that's always, it's kind of a learning experience, a little bit of a learning curve. Uh, what are some things that you felt that you need to work on in your game when you first, you know, landed in PA? Um, yeah, it was a, it was a big jump for sure. Um, I think getting to PA and everything, everything was so exciting right at the beginning, but the things I wanted to work on was getting to the net. I know everyone talks about it and everyone wants to score goals, but to be an elite player, you, you got to know your way in the offensive zone as a forward. And I think the better you are at getting to the net and finding ways to put the puck in the net, uh, are all things that will obviously help you get to that next level where, where I want to get to. So being, um, being, uh, you know, now that you're, uh, you know, a, a Western leaguer and it's to kind of put the hockey side apart of it, how much of a commitment is it to, you know, do your off-ice schooling and prepare yourself, get proper sleep and all that? Was that a big adjustment for you? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a lot more individual for sure. Um, at the billet houses and um, it's a lot more responsibility for sure. Um, taking care of yourself. I know the guys at the rink, they're going to be doing their best to take care of you as far as hockey, but mentally and physically at home is the nutrition part of it. And uh, being able to get away from the game too, a little bit when you head home from the rink is a huge part and just get your mind off things and refresh. So you're that much more excited to head back the next day and get back to it and go to work. A little bit different from when we played at eh, Chewy. Yeah, very different. Yeah. yeah. When I played when I played junior, I don't think I heard the word nutrition very often. It's like I was having a hot dog at I was having a hot dog at Orange Julius after every practice. Yeah. <laughs> Our post-game meals used to be at McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, it's funny when I first moved to Yorkton, I, you know, I met my billets and I was a little bit shy. You know, I didn't know them and First couple nights, you know, they were making food that I maybe didn't never had tried before. And I'm kind of a picky eater. So I'd eat a little bit of it, not to sound rude. And I would excuse myself from the table and then I'd go hit up some McDonald's. And uh, my billet finally figured out that I was heading to McDonald's a lot. So they actually went out and bought a deep fryer. So then uh, all my food after that, they were like deep frying everything. And I was like, I don't know if you're helping me or making me worse right now. So. Okay, so now, you know, Ev, you're a veteran player. You've been in the league a little bit now. You've, you, you know, your skills are where they're at. What are some things that you're going to try to pass on to younger players coming up through the system? Uh thing that jumps out right away to me is uh, make the young guys feel welcome. I know uh, that's a big thing in PA, and they were I, exceptional to doing it for me, um, making, the, making me feel welcome and a part of the team right away. I know I... I showed up to that dressing room. I was pretty nervous and didn't know. Well, I knew a couple guys and knew Jacob Brooke and Justin Nakbar. But other than that, I was didn't know too many people and was pretty nervous. But the every player there made me feel like I was part of the team as soon as I walked in. And uh, they were helping me with any questions, answering anything I didn't know. And that's something I'd like to, for sure, help out the young guys this year is making them feel like they belong right away. It helped me right from the get-go, and uh, I just felt comfortable as soon as I walked in the place. felt like it was a big family and that I was just became part of it. 
So this next question is from skill development coach Andy Zeliniak, uh, former Prince Albert Raider. He wants to know uh, what you what you like about playing in the Smarty Arena. The fans. I I mean, the fans are. I I don't know how to describe them. They're they're crazy. It's it's, it's awesome. It's there's no place like playing like at home, and you look forward to it every shift because they're you know, they're going to be screaming and hollering and that just fuels the fire underneath you to play even harder. Question for you. Now that you've played in the league for a little while, um, you would probably say the best rank in the league is the, is the PA uh, um, art. Is it still the art Hauser arena? Is that what they call it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where is the best road rink in your mind to play? Oh, I don't know. I always find it fun playing rivals, but, I think I'm going to go with Everett. Everett was pretty fun. The U.S. fans down there are kind of crazy too, but it was neat to see some new country. So I think Everett was pretty fun to play in. Okay, Ev, um, you know, growing up, everybody kind of idolizes different hockey players. Who did you try to tailor your game after as a young hockey player? Uh, I'm going to go with Darcy Tucker. He's kind of a ball of fire and he's all for the team. I don't know. He's just... Uh, just the way I want to play. That was the same as me, but you must have watched his goal scoring, and I must have watched when he lost his mind and, you know, would go to the penalty box too many times in the game. So who would you say is your biggest influence growing up in your, in your hockey career? Definitely Sidney Crosby. I mean, there's that era is 90% of kids just loves Crosby, and I was one of those guys and soon to become a – Pens fans since then and, and still now um yeah he was kind of my hero growing up so i still idolize him so Ev, i don't think many people know this and maybe the people that know you the best uh would be like this is a no-brainer but uh you're quite the outdoorsman uh 2018 this guy uh won the award for the northern pike picture competition uh first of all didn't know northern pike got that big how big was that fish that you caught uh it was one of my smaller ones, actually. Uh, that one was a 42-incher, but uh, it did the trick and ended up uh, winning the contest, so I'm not going to complain at all about that. How did you catch it? I was fly fishing, actually. Wow. Homemade fly? Yeah, homemade fly. I tie all my own flies, so that just makes it more interesting. I, I mean, it gets you more involved into the into the sport and doing something like that and hooking a absolute monster like that is uh pretty pretty exciting but doing it all yourself and your own bait makes it even that much more exciting chewy are you a fisherman too like you know things about your own fly like what is this <laughs> i grew up i grew up fishing a lot but i i've only been fly fishing once or twice and the first time i had the line going like all different directions and the second time i went it ended up being around my neck because like you got to snap it a certain way uh i'd love to do mm -hmm. it again um, but I thought maybe you caught it like, uh, you know, like trolling or just floating and on a, like a pickerel rig or something like that. Like I, that's how basic I am, Jared. I'm not all <laughs> making my own flies or anything like that. So only fishing I do is in the dark. <laughs> yeah. Hey, a little nitty gritty dirt band. <laughs> uh, okay. Second question for the fishermen, and this could go to both of you. Um, do you, do you ever get scared to take the fish off the hook i know that sounds like a city city kid kind of question but 
I don't know, man. That thing was a monster. I think I would be terrified. I caught one fish in my life and it was, I don't know, the size of my hand, terrified to take it off the hook. I can't imagine reeling in a huge 42, whatever, 42 inches. Like, do you ever get nervous when you're taking that thing off the hook? Uh, no, actually, I think it's more exciting to finally just grab whatever's on the end of your line. Like, um, I think I'm so fired up on adrenaline that as soon as I see them, I just want to get all over them and get after it. So yeah, I don't know. It's just, uh, I guess it's just the way I was taught and born and raised. So it doesn't bother me one bit. <laughs> well, I'm definitely taking, I know who my guide is when I go up to Northern Manitoba for a fishing trip. Yeah, I know. Anytime. So, Ev, you know, when you're, when you're outdoors, you look like you're in your happy place. How important is that for you when you get outdoors to kind of get away from the game? Yeah, it's, it's huge. I mean, uh, getting away from the game is, I think, pretty critical. Um, if you're, I know some people are able to think about the game 24-7, and that's all they do day in, day out. But for me, um, I, love, I love the game. Don't get me wrong, but getting away from the game and doing other things uh, just makes it when I come back or head to the rink next morning, I just have that, that same fire as the first time I scored my goal or first goal or anything it just uh keeps everything level and just keeps me uh keeps me ready to go every time I get back to the rink and uh yeah like you said it's definitely my happy place and uh I wouldn't do it if I didn't enjoy it so that's it so Ev you also had another video surfaced uh I don't know a year or two ago of you uh wake surfing behind a boat um, I don't know if anybody's seen it, but if you do check it out, I believe it's on the rink, uh, Instagram page, but as behind he's wake surfing, he's got a hockey stick in his hand and he's tapping a puck while he's surfing. Um, first of all, really cool video. Uh, who came up with the idea? Actually, my auntie did kind of my auntie and my mom were sitting around the fire one night and ideas started getting tossed around and I was like, you know what? I got a stick. I got a puck. Let's just get after it. So yeah, uh, next next day I was got lucky and it was a beautiful day. So we headed out and you know what? It was first try, I would think total fluke. But uh yeah, I gave it a go and it, it turned out to be kind of a huge hit. And uh I can say though I lost about ten pucks after the first video, but <laughs> but got lucky enough, we got enough for a video and it it uh it took off. So that was it was perfect. Okay, so here's your, you know, your video. Uh, a lot of people seen it. I've seen it. So where did you learn that skill from? Which ranked player development coach would have taught you how to do that? I'm putting you on the spot here. Ah, uh, I'm gonna have to go with my first trainer, Jarrett from back. <laughs> Just a little wee guy here. <laughs> you know what's funny is I probably didn't teach him that. He was he was a highly skilled player when I first worked with him, but. I still remember our first session, Ev, uh, you coming in, and I believe we worked at fake shots, so taking the puck to the middle, working at your fake shot. Um, how's that coming along? <laughs> definitely, definitely my go-to move, for sure. Whether it's a there you go. practice fun shootout or anything, I just it's uh, one of the best tricks. You know, Chewy, we've talked about this before. It's special for us to see guys like you, Hermie, 
um, you know, excelling and, and we've known each other for so long and getting to watch you develop over the years and, and see you grow up in front of our eyes. It's always, uh, it's a fun thing for us as coaches to watch. And you guys, guys like you, Hermie, you make our job easy, right? You're an easy coach kid, uh, you know, always listened and, and always were out on the ice to get better. So uh, you make us look good when you're out there. So we appreciate that for sure. Last thing we'll do, Hermie, before we get you on your way here, a uh, little thing, you know, a lot of the kids that listen to the pod, they like to know kind of, you know, what type of style you're rocking these days. Uh, so we'll go through a couple, a list of things and you can just, you know, tell us what you're using these days. So we'll start with what stick are you currently using? Uh, uh, I'm using a jet speed. It's a, uh, it's a low kick point and it's, uh, it's kind of a weird curve. It's kind of like a E36 and a P40 kind of in the middle of both of those pretty straight straight stick. No, uh, no hook like McDavid or anything. Let's go to what skates you're rocking these days. Ah, the true skates. I've, I think I hopped on the train as soon as they kind of came out. and I can't say a bad thing about them. They're just uh, my favorite skate I've ever worn. What do you put on, what do you put on your tongues? Uh, I got my number. That's my, my number from RHA. So I, I'm wearing number 22, but I got number 10 on my skates. So <laughs> kind of a weird question. Everyone uh-huh. asked why I have 10 on my skates, but this is what it is. You're trying to confuse your trainer. Yeah. <laughs> Could get, give you a different hollow. Uh, okay. Uh, Jersey tuck or no? No, I'm no tuck. I'm straight out. Okay. Uh, shin pads in, shin pads out. Uh, shin pads out to cover up the 10 so I don't look so silly out there. <laughs> What's your tape job like? Ah, full blade. Uh, not quite a sock job. Full blade right foot. Yeah, not quite a sock job, but heel to toe. That's my favorite. I like right to the toe. And then, you know, taking your time with the scissors and waxing it up. All right, Hermie. Well, you know what? Thanks for, you know, taking the time out of your day. I mean, you do have a lot of time. You are on quarantine. Uh, but we wish you the best of luck, you know, moving forward in your career. But we wish you luck entering the bubble. And, and we're really excited that you get to, you know, even though it's 24 games, uh, that you get to start your season coming up next week. So best of luck moving forward, buddy. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, good luck, man. Thank you. Well, another, you know, uh, interview from a young, you know, a young guy that's kind of growing up within the Ring Training Center, you know, the RHA program. And now it's just so great to see him where he's gone on and continue to chase his dream. But you can tell he's such a level-headed kid and doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't forget where he comes from and how important family and friends and teammates are really to him. Yeah, it's been awesome getting to know Evan throughout the years. Again, I did a couple one-on-one with him when he was a really young guy, and then he joined the RHA family. And now watching him grow as a hockey player into, uh, you know, playing for Prince Albert and, and, and seeing the success that he's having, it's also, you know, it's nice to see that for such a good kid and he works his butt off every single day so nice to interview him nice to kind of get to see the 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 guy outside of hockey right he's a big outdoorsman so always a blast getting to know these guys on a different level with the podcast that's for sure yeah no 100 and you can tell that he's got something set in his mind and he's driven kid and he's uh you know chasing that dream that all these guys want so true let's wrap it up man i think you got an ice time coming up am i correct yeah, I got to jump on with the RHA kids, try and teach them how to dump and change. Um, you know, one-on-one, we'll go off the glass and out. So hopefully I can teach them a few things. Remember, if you're going to go high off the glass, 
always do it with your head down. <laughs> That's a good thing. I'll, I'll tell the kids that. Okay, because linesmen love it when you take a slap shot and hit them in the back. I've been told. <laughs> All right, Chu, have a great ice time. We'll see you next week, buddy. Sounds good. Take care, man. I know you want to see a hunting